I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. I'm trying very hard to be more just just accepting of how I look and not be like, well, I can take these pictures or do this thing after I lose 30 pounds. It's like, just, I don't know, just do it now. Because yeah. God knows. God knows what's going to happen. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of Awkward Sex in the City. Uh, sorry for the dramatic pause. I have a stuffy nose, so I can't breathe through my nose right now. And I'm learning I don't know how to like breathe and talk at the same time. I get really winded. At first I was like, what's wrong with me? And then I was like, oh, this is what's wrong with me. You don't know how to breathe, bitch. That's that's a lot that we need to, you know, work on. How are you? How are you doing? Do you have a stuffy nose too? Um, I'm not sick, just stuffy. Can you hear it? I can hear it a little bit. I am so happy that you're here. I'm so happy we're here. I can't believe it's the end of the year almost. It's December. What the, like every year, every year that's the same. It's the same. It's like January, February. It's like, this is the slowest months of our lives. And then December, it's like, where the fuck did everything go? So that's fun. And as you get older, if you're younger than me, it just goes by quicker. And you're like, ah, morality, life, death, like what me and Marcia talked a lot about in the last episode. We don't talk about death as much in length as much in this episode, I promise you, if that's not your vibe. Though, like I said in the previous podcast, I do think about death on a daily basis. I was um, I was like making the bed or something, Aaron was going to work, and I like looked out the window and I saw him like walking to work, and I was like, what if this is the last time I see him? And I had to be like, Natalie, stop it, like stop it. And then in the back of my head, I was like, but what if? Like, that's who I am when it comes to death. You never know. 
you never know. Um, it's almost like I'm trying to be prepped for that, but you can't be prepped for that. And don't prep for that. That's so exhausting and sad. I don't know. That don't what I'm saying is don't be me. And on top of that, let's talk about the episode and not have me go down a weird rabbit hole of my thoughts when it comes to death. This episode, very different. No death, I promise. And again, it's another great, it's another cathartic episode about so many different things. But I sit down with Madeline uh, Smith and you are, you're going to love her. She's fucking hilarious. You can see her all over the country, by the way. And we talk, I feel like this is going to sound like PSA, but we really talk a lot about being true to yourself and like what that means and the ramifications of like not being true to yourself um, and how it affects others and how it affects you in the grand scheme of it all, right? And I don't know. There's something like very powerful about that. I feel like when you like step into your truth and it's not something everyone does, not something that everyone can do. And it's not something everyone wants to do. And there's so many reasons for so many different whys as to if you do, can't, or don't want to. And it can be so hard. And she talks about a very specific part of her life where she does, you know, step into that and and how important it was and how it changed her life. Um for the better and for, you know, the better for the people around her. And I really love this episode. I really loved Madeline. I loved getting to sit down with her. And I just can't wait for you to listen to this episode. You can follow her at Madeline Murphy on all the socials. And you're going to fucking love her. I feel a kinship to you because you have had hand, foot, and mouth disease as an adult. Yes. Yes, I've had it twice as an adult I'm and both so times from like nannying. I think that's what I get it from is from nanny jobs. And like, yeah, I had it once when I was 22 and then once this past year too. So like 10 years apart, I've had it and it is disgusting. It's the worst thing ever. It's, it's the worst as an adult. And I, like, I don't wish it on anyone. I got it from my niece and nephew. I've now gotten COVID from them, hand, foot and mouth disease from them and a random stomach bug this past week from them. And I was oh like, God. okay, my track record's no longer good with you. And if you are sick, I'm not coming to see you. Like I, yes. I can't do this again. But yeah. yeah, I mean, it's honestly, honestly, it's just super gross at the end because it's like everything yeah. starts peeling off and people don't understand. It's like your full finger like print is peeling off your full foot is printing off or yeah. not printing off peeling off yeah it's really really disgusting and like I mean obviously your podcast is about sex so it's like okay let's talk about <laughs> sex but I started feeling better and like after about a week I started feeling better and I did want to have sex again but I was like oh like I can't like I I had to wear gloves to have sex because I was like oh I can't I didn't want to like you know, like stick my disgusting hands into my like fiance's vagina and just be like, I'm like, you know, oh, so, I, no. so we had, I had to wear these gloves. It was very not sexual, but I was worried. I don't think that you could like transmit it through the vagina, but mm -hmm. like, I was just worried about like doing that to them and like, it, you know, like getting the gross and it's, and you're, and it's peeling off, which is mm -hmm. disgusting. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I feel like my, usually one of my go-to sex moves is like hand sex, but I felt like I, I felt like it was still my hands were peeling for like a full month. So it just mm -hmm. made it really hard to have sex. <laughs> so it's unpleasant. No, 
you're right. I'm trying to think about like when we start having sex again, because yeah, it, the peeling, it, the, the virus, I feel like it, the, it's bad for like five days. Like you've got like the fever and then all of a sudden you've got the rash. And then I got the rash all over my body. Yeah. I got it everywhere. And then you start to peel and it lasts. Yeah. It's like about, you're literally shedding the virus and it's like about four weeks. Yeah. And it's just like fully coming off and it's weird and it feels weird. Like I remember I was like typing at work and I couldn't feel my thumb, like hit the, hit the button. I was like, that's weird. And I was like, oh, it's cause it's fully dead. And I just like fully pulled off my yeah. whole thumb. And I was like, <laughs> great. And it's like red and raw. Yeah, and now I'm really yeah. trying, to find, trying to think when did we start having sex again? Because yeah, we do like hand stuff. I feel like I would have felt weird about it. And oh. I would have felt like I was really nervous. I was gonna like you like give them it. But I think it's like, once you no longer have any like new rashes, you're like no longer contagious or something like it's like, yeah. A, yeah. And he also was around them. And I'm the only adult that got it. No other adults got yeah. it so I guess we haven't had it as a kid I don't know I didn't yeah have yeah yeah the kids that I was babysitting for their parents didn't get it and like yeah it was just the one little boy had it and I babysat him for like one day and then oh, got no. it immediately and I was so mad I was like oh my god and that, I think that's why as much as I love working with kids I feel like I have to try to get out of doing that for like day job stuff because mm -hmm. it's just it's just constant sickness. It's like constant. And if you already have like immune system problems, or if you just mm -hmm. have like an, a weaker immune system or autoimmune disease or anything like that, it's just, it's constant. It's horrible. And so when you, I was listening to the podcast you were doing with Sarah Hartshorn and talking about having kids and stuff. And I really do want to have kids. Like I don't want to, I don't want to physically have kids. I don't want to be pregnant. I want to be like, you know, the other partner, the non having kid partner, but I would like to have kids, but I, I do worry a lot about just the, um, just the constant sickness. Cause it seems like little kids are just kind of like constantly bringing in sicknesses. And that's something that I'm trying to figure out how I could like deal with that and not be sick all the time and maybe like build up some immunity I on it I don't know probably something to talk about with a doctor honestly I don't know either because you're right like so I was um I was babysitting this past couple months because I was unemployed for a bit yeah. and yeah I think I got sick big the the youngest got sick like immediately when school started because it's like there's just a, a germ filled pool and then I think I got whatever he got for a bit and yeah it just kind of like you're just kind of like passing it back and forth in a way yeah. you know all of a sudden yeah. everyone just like has a weird cough and you're like oh this is why this is why it's just too simple they don't know how to sneeze they don't know how to cough they're literally yeah. I think like the first week they had somehow gotten like spit in my mouth and not on purpose like they weren't doing it on purpose but it was just like okay yeah. well now I'm sick like there's no way it yeah. literally went right to the back of my throat like I felt mm. it Ugh, um so disgusting yeah. and I just hate being sick like I yeah. obviously COVID was awful but not being sick for like two or three years was amazing yes and now yeah. I've been sick like three times this year I think hand foot mouth disease or regular colds I think like two regular colds and hand foot mouth disease and it was like ugh, okay yeah Great. yeah that's one thing that I really like now um is that like it's so much more socially acceptable to be wearing a mask in social mm -hmm. settings because before the pandemic you know, I think that people would have thought it was like really weird because it's so not a thing that was like even part of like the New York City. Uh, I don't know. It just wasn't a thing that people were doing. And it felt like like when I did study abroad in Japan, I saw a lot of people wearing masks, like either if they were sick or trying to avoid getting sick or whatever. Mm -hmm. But in America, that wasn't a thing. So I'm glad that now that's a thing because I do mm -hmm. usually still wear, I always still wear masks on um 
public transit and often at like crowded shows. But you know, the weird thing with comedy is that like, I, I feel like some people some comics are like very weird about people wearing masks now. Like they'll, they always have to like have a comment on it or like, they'll be like, you know, like, Oh, are you sick? Or like, or what, why are you wearing, what's happening? And I'm like, Oh, just like the ongoing pandemic that we all live in. Like, <laughs> like, we're, yeah. We're still in it y'all. Oh yeah. man. You can always find uh, a comics insecurities like immediately on stage, like whatever yes. they're commenting on is making them fear, feel weird. Like they don't have anything interesting to say. They just feel weird. They're just feeling yeah. in their feelings right now yes. um, I'm the same I totally in public transportation I'm still masking if I'm in the grocery store I'm still masking because it's also like they like if someone's immune compromised they have to also go grocery shopping also like you know get around the subway so it's like I don't want to ever make it worse and then also I think that COVID just also made me realize like how gross New York City is like how disgusting it really is like the subway is disgusting the amount of vomit I've seen the amount of shit I've seen yeah. Packing along. Yeah. It's like, it, it's gross. It's, this is how we get sick. It's right there. Yeah, no, you're right. It really is disgusting. And I think that I, when I first moved here was very aware of how disgusting it was, but mm -hmm. it was so, um, normalized. Like everyone was just like, Oh yeah, of course you like get packed onto the subway with like hundreds of other people. Um, since I live in Jersey city, sometimes if I'm taking the path train, which connects to the MTA, it's like the same as the subway, but it takes you to Jersey city. If it's like the last one, like late at night, leaving the West village, there's so many people you're like packed in and that like sardine feeling. And it's mm -hmm. fucking, it's so fucking gross. It's just, it's really gross. So it's like, yeah, of course you would wear a mask, but I think that before COVID it was just not normalized. So it's, it felt almost sort of like embarrassing to be wearing a mask which I know is very silly you shouldn't be embarrassed about protecting yourself and others but I think that I think now it's more normalized but like I was saying there are comics particularly male comics I would mm -hmm. say who are like weird about it who are just like oh like what's wrong like what's happening and it's just like are you not aware of like the world around you like what do you mean what's happening like we've all been living in this pandemic for ongoing for like three years and so yeah, I don't know. I think it's mainly straight men who have said something to me about it. It's always straight comedians. It's always straight male comedians that you're just like, yeah. okay, great. Good for yeah. you. Move on, sir. Move the fuck on. Yeah. Um, maybe get off the stage and never get back on again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> how how do you meet your fiance? Um, through comedy, actually, oh, through man. comedy. Yes. Yeah. So so I was um back in 2019, I was doing a show in Ithaca. I was headlining a show in Ithaca, which um, was very fun and exciting because it was for like a comedy festival. Mm -hmm. And my my college agent like runs a comedy festival in Ithaca. Um, so I think it was for that. I, I feel like I'm losing my mind. It was something like that. It was, <laughs> it was four years ago and I like have no more. But the thing that was weird about that time was this is like very sad, but my my best friend my childhood best friend had like just died like two weeks before so I was oh like God. being really weird like I was in a very weird mindset and I hadn't done comedy since they died and then they and then I was like I have to do this headlining set and I remember trying to do like a dead friend joke and like no one in the crowd laughed. Everyone was just like, oh my God, like, are you okay? Like I'm deeply upset. But Kendra, who was also on the show, they were like the only person who like laughed at it. And I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> like, I was like, he gets wow. me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I was like, Kendra really gets it. And so like, um, we became friends, but Kendra, they were based in, uh, 
in Connecticut at the time. And that, well, they were moving to Boston. So they were Connecticut comedian in New Haven. Then they moved to Boston, but we were like internet friends. Um, and <laughs> I'm sorry, this is a long convoluted story. Should I no. tell the whole thing? Or tell the whole like... story. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. I, I feel like it's like very convoluted because there's like a lot going on. So, so, so they had moved to Boston. I was living here right outside of New York city. I was like part of the New York city comedy scene. And I, uh, (laughs) I was getting divorced too. That was the other thing I had been married to a man and he's a very, very nice man. Uh, definitely don't want to like talk shit about him in any way. He's very, very nice, but we had gotten married very young. Um, I had been like when I was young, like identifying as bi. And then I think, after we got married, I was like, oh no, I think I just am gay. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, no, this, this, this solidifies. Yeah. I don't want this. <laughs> I was like, no, I, it was nothing against him. It wasn't that he was like bad or anything, but I was just like, we were very good friends. And I think that our friendship, when we got, when we got engaged, I was like 22. We were both like very, very young, 22. Oh, yeah, babies. Yeah, like tiny babies. And I had had this whole thing in a, in college, I had had this whole like, oh, I'm just like having sex with all these women, but it's just like, you know, for fun. And like, I'm drunk all the time. And like, it's, you know, like it was very like, oh, well, I like him. He's like, he's like my partner, but like, but we were like, always in an open relationship. And I think there's definitely nothing wrong with like polyamory or open relationships. But I do think that often people who are either... (laughs) secretly gay or perhaps maybe not secretly gay but people who are like unhappy in their relationship in some way will be like we should just do an open relationship Mm -hmm. and then that's a good way to kind of like cover up the fact that you don't even want to be in the relationship that you're in because Mm -hmm. you can have sex with other people you can form connections with other people and I think for a while I was like well I really feel attracted to women but like you know, my husband and I have this good bond and we're really good friends. So, but then I, I was sleeping with women while we were married because we were open. And I think I just started to realize like that I had been so conditioned by society to think that like, that women, you know, were women or non-men, I should say like non-binary people as well, but, but people, non-men, non-cisgender men were so, um, great for, you know, attractive and and great for like, for friendship, but that I couldn't actually be in a relationship with one because relationships are, you know, heterosexual. I think there's just so much heteronormativity. Um, And so then I realized that I was thinking about things in such an odd misogynistic way where I was like, oh, well, women are like who I like sleep with on the side, but I have my relationship with my husband. And then I realized that I, my relationship with my husband, at least for me, was very much like platonic. Like I, I, he was my very best friend. We're very close. He's very supportive when I first started doing comedy. Um, just a really wonderful person, but I had, I didn't have the, the feel Then I was like sleeping with women and I was like, oh, these feelings I think are what people, you know, talk about when they talk about romantic love or like writing love songs or things like that. I was like, I think that that's what it is. And so then I sadly had to come out to my husband as gay. And that was like, not the best because I just felt very guilty, even though he was so nice and took it so well. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, he was very nice about it. And then we got divorced. And then I was in a relationship with a woman 
for about two years after that, who lived, I met her in the city. She lived in Brooklyn, but then in the pandemic, we got totally displaced to different cities and it was just very stressful. And, uh, and, and Kendra and I were good friends online. Mm -hmm. Um, and then Kendra, Kendra was working at a vaccine clinic and I was also working at a vaccine clinic. So we started like texting about that and blah, blah, blah. And then I was moving into this apartment on my own. It was my very first time living on my own, this apartment I got in 2021. And I lucked out when I got it because, you know, it was cheaper because it was still pandemic. Uh, So I was moving into this apartment on my own. I had been staying with my parents for like 10 months. And I was like, man, I just really want I guess I was just really like, I really, now I have my own apartment. I just really want to like get laid and like have babes over. I was like, (laughs) I was like, now I like pay my rent myself. I have my own place. I could like finally have like women come over. And so I think under the guise of like just friendship, I was like, you know, like messaging Kendra, like, oh yeah, like you should come to New York city and visit and like, blah, blah, blah. And like, uh, and then I think that it became a more sexual friendship because then we were like sexting and stuff. I think we both were just very like the, we had just gotten vaccinated and you know, all that. <laughs> we were like, Vaccine ready to fuck. <laughs> yeah, <I> remember <laughs> summer 2021. Remember that was like, everybody was like, oh, hot vac summer. And so we were like, oh, we want to have like hot dyke summer. And just like, <laughs> so we, um, we were sleeping together and we were just like comedy sex friends and I usually try not to sleep with other comedians, but I was like, it's fine. Like they, they're based in Boston. It won't be that big of a deal. And then, uh, we were, we were very close friends. And then I was going through some like really bad mental health and physical health problems, which was really hard on me because I was living alone. Mm -hmm. And so I was just, it was awful. And Kendra was so great, even from Boston, just with like texting me every day and just being such a good friend. And then I remember they had a show at Stonewall. This was in December of 2021. And uh, they they were like, oh, if you need, I know you're going through a hard time. I'm going to come do the show. But if you want, since my job at the time, they had a remote job. They were like, I could stay for a few days with you. Like if you need just some emotional support or you want a friend. I don't think that they were trying to like get Get your pants. Yeah. I mean, we had had sex like two or three times at that point, but I don't think that that's like what it was. I think Mm -hmm. that they were genuinely just being a good friend. Um, So they came to stay after the Stonewall show. They came and stayed here. I went to the show. It was really fun. And then I was feeling very like sad and emotional. A lot had been going on, but I still like wanted to have sex. And I remember they were like, we really don't have to have sex. Like we could just be, I could just hang out here with you. I don't even have to like sleep in the bed if you don't want me to. And I was like, no, I I really do. And then I remember this is like very like corny and cheesy, but we did have sex. And it was like this weird, you know, when you shift from like having sex with someone to like, all of a sudden it's like making love and you're like in love and you're like looking into each other's eyes and mm-hmm. you have this like really intense connection. And I think we were both so surprised by it because we were like, Oh, we're just friends. <laughs> and so then we, the next day had to be like, Oh, that was really, that was really intense. Like, I, I wonder what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what that means. I, I love you. Yeah, I was like, are we in love? And it's such a lesbian stereotype because you don't want to be like, oh, now we're in love. Like we had sex three times and now we're like in love and we're moving in together. So I really tried, especially because I was having a lot of health problems. I was like not doing well mentally. I um, 
you know, got diagnosed with having bipolar disorder and I, I just was not doing well. Um, I was not medicated at the time either. So I was just not doing very well. And I was like, this isn't the time to like get into a relationship. Uh, <laughs> so then for like three weeks, we really went back and forth. I'm like, are we going to date or not? And then they came to visit again, uh, at the very end of December for like another, like New York city, like little vacation thing. And I was like, you know, I really, I guess I just felt like I liked them so much and they were mm -hmm. such a good friend to me. And I also kind of felt like, although the timing wasn't ideal, I felt like if I don't go for it now, um, I might, this is a weird thing to say, but, but the window of opportunity might close because also this is like not for nothing, but Kendra was like going on a lot of dates. Like they were kind of sledding it up. Like they were having like a hot dike summer. I knew that they had like a lot of different people. And I was like, you know, I think maybe I should just tell them the truth that I like really want to be with them because I do feel like if I don't say it now, there is mm -hmm. potential that they could get with somebody else and get into another relationship. Um, and they were kind of like, oh, I'm not really in a, in a good place for a relationship right now. And I was like, yeah, me neither. But then we still started dating anyway. And then we were like, <laughs> totally. Then after three weeks, we were like, I love you. Do you love me? I love you. <laughs> like and I know that's such a that's such a stereotype I know it really is and then we got into my very first monogamous relationship I've ever had and now I've been in this um relationship now for two years uh and it is the first time doing monogamy and I I never thought it was something that I would want to do but mm -hmm. I feel I feel really happy in it and I yeah so it's awesome yeah <laughs> no I mean it's you, what really stuck out for me was when you're talking about like in college where you're like, no, I only do this like when I'm drunk or like I can only do this and this and like, I'm so I'm by as well. And I definitely like experimented in college and experimenting is not even the right word. It's like kind of testing the waters mm -hmm. and it would be like, oh, I need to be drunk first though. Like I need to be this before like I kiss this girl, et cetera, et cetera. And the early aughts just were not good to women. You're they, right. You're right. It really put, they put a lot of shit on us. It was like, you couldn't be queer or gay or, and you couldn't do this. And if you were straight, you couldn't do that. You couldn't be too much of like a slut and like low rise jeans and thongs and all this stuff. Like it, and it was like women against women. It was a really hard time to really kind of discover what was going on. So I think it's super fair that you were like, yeah, this is just something I do on the side. This is what like poly is for or like open relationships is for. Because then we also had no knowledge or like information or teaching about even like monogamy and like what it's, why it works for some people or like poly and why it works for some people and why like all of these are like valid choices. And while it may be valid for someone else, maybe not for us. Like, I don't think I could do open. I think my jealousy would be like through the roof you know yeah and then you're like yeah, yeah but it'd be fun to make out with someone you know or like do like I think me and my husband have both been like yeah we could probably like make out with other people and like that's fine that's fine yeah um but you do you like you're like what when you're like in your early 20s and like I don't know about you I was like such a late bloomer when it came to sex like this was the time to start trying stuff and you're just so confused of like what is deemed okay by like everyone else yeah well I first off there were two things that you said that I was thinking about um which one you're so right I think that so much of it 
the so much of the self-hatred and the not being able to come out as as gay or bi or queer or whatever is so much based off of the way in which like society and media told us to perceive other women and it was never it was always like oh like you make out with other women for the boys and like the boys of the party like it and this is something that a very visceral memory that I have of being like 18 or 19 and having this idea that eating pussy must be gross because there's mm. always right there's all this this and you have to remember of course this was like 2008 and I feel like there was so much rhetoric around like oh pussy's gross and it like smells like fish and all this stuff and then I remember the first time that I did it I was like oh no this is like not gross at all and also this is like my favorite thing to do mm. like I love this I love this and I had never I had always been like maybe I'm just a bottom maybe I just don't like but then I was like I think that the reason that I had been so nervous to go down on women and like had been scared about vaginas was because there was so much like weird, you know, there was so much weird talk about people who have vaginas and how it's like unclean and gross. But I think that you probably and me and most people who have vaginas, you're aware of like your own body, you know, that it's not unclean and gross. It's like a self cleaning organ. You know, that like some days it smells stronger than others, but it's never like, it's never like gross or disgusting. Like, you know, and if it is, then you probably have to go to the doctor because something is like actually wrong. <laughs> but there's never, there's never been a time in all my many years of like eating pussy and all that. There's never been a time where I've been like, oh my God, like this is gross. And I think that, I think that in the early 2000s, there was just so much like hatred towards uh, female bodied people and female bodies just in general and like natural sex uh organs and like just just things like that it was it just seems so negative towards um women and afab people and so i think that like i think that makes sense and then also what you said about the jealousy too i i remember when i was with my husband i thought that i was this very like cool enlightened person because i was like oh I, we're open and i don't feel jealous and i've never experienced jealousy and blah 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 but really, I think the reason that I didn't feel jealous was because my feelings towards my husband were so much more platonic, you know? And mm. then when I got into a relationship with my ex-girlfriend, I started feeling feelings of jealousy. And then with Kendra, I was like, oh, I would really not, although it might be fun to like go out to like a sex party and have sex with a different person or something like that, I mm -hmm. that would make me feel so sad if they did that. That would make me feel so awful and sad and it's not because I want to like control them or I think that I like have ownership over them it's because like I just love them and I love having something that's like between the two of us it's a mm -hmm. nice bond and I think that that is another reason that I was like oh I'm just I'm fully uh you know a lesbian because I never felt that way with men I never was like oh I need to have sex with just this one man and and I think that that you know makes sense for you too in, in, in being bi because you can feel that way for both men and women, you know, you can feel that way, but I just never felt that way towards a man. I was never, <laughs> so, <laughs> but I don't want to invalidate what you're saying. I think what you're saying totally makes sense. Like having that feeling of jealousy. I think that that totally makes sense. And I, I think it's kind of fucked up how people will be like, Oh, open relationships are like so cool and hip and the ethical non-monogamy and all that stuff. That's very like popular in like Brooklyn and stuff. Now it's like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> No, it's it like, is. Oh, whatever. <laughs> That's cool. And I'm not saying there's anything against it. But I also think having like a a real bond with somebody, having something special that you share just with that person can really strengthen your relationship in some ways. And I think that jealousy 
doesn't have to be a negative thing as long Mm -hmm. as you don't use it like negatively against your partner as long as you're not like oh you can't hang out with this person or like I need to know where you are all the time or something like I think as long as you just are honest and say hey I really don't want you sleeping with other people I really want you to just be with me and I want you to just romantically love me Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know I think I think that's an okay thing so yeah so I don't think there's anything bad about wanting to do monogamy. <laughs> no, absolutely. It was, it's really funny. And like a couple of years ago, I feel like monogamy got a really bad rep all of a sudden of like, well, you just don't get it. Like you just don't communicate as well because open relationships take so much communication, probably more than monogamy. And it's just like, okay, okay. Like we hear you absolutely. Like never saying don't do this, but there was kind of this like, I guess you're just not as like hip as us or it's like you don't get it as much. And I was like, great, cool. And there was times where we're like, yeah, maybe we think about doing open. And then the, actually uh, two years ago, we had a couple of friends kind of have like divorce, cheating issues. And my husband was like, I just want to say this out front. Like, I don't want an open relationship. I know we've said in the past, like maybe like I don't want that. And I was like, great, cool. <laughs> Neither do I. Because um, there is, there is something about this person is, yours but not yours you don't own this person but you get to see these little like moments that no one else will see and they get to see moments of you or parts of you that no one else will see and there is just some true intimacy from that that just can't be created in a platonic relationship in this in the same way um and it was really funny when you were like I'm not trying to like discredit bi and it's I also feel like there's this moment now too where like everyone's like, no, we think bi is real. We think bi is real. Like even I was rereading Red, White and Royal Blue, which is like a queer YA where the main character is bi. And it was like, LGBTQIA, the bi isn't silent. It's like, no, we know. Like you don't have to like cater to us anymore. Like I'm married (laughs) to a man. Like don't, don't. Like I'm attracted to women, but I married a man. Like it's so, we, we stop. Like it's okay. (laughs) You don't have to. I think that in my mind, I'm so worried constantly about being biphobic because I was like, (laughs) I don't even remember why I was like at home visiting my family. I guess this was during Pride Month and I and I had a show in uh, my family was in Rochester. I had a show around there, like a queer show. And um, I was talking about how I don't know, I was saying something that was probably kind of shitty, but I was talking to my mom about how sometimes I get frustrated around pride month because there's so many like bi women with boyfriends who will be like out at the gay club and you're like of course you're allowed I'm not trying to say you're not allowed but it is like when I was like more on the prowl like trying to have sex with women I would just always be like oh this woman seems available and then like all of them had boyfriends <laughs> like and my mom was like that's very biphobic of you like you're being very biphobic and so now I'm like so anxious about like sounding biphobic that I'm always like I don't mean it like that I'm sorry like, no 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 I will say this do, yeah. uh, during pride month do I get super quiet yes do I like not want to go into certain spaces especially with yeah. my husband absolutely like it's like let me just step away for a second it doesn't have to be I feel like by like all of a sudden like there was this moment where by was like you guys just like aren't listening to us like we're real we, we're here and it's like why are you being so annoying about yeah. this <laughs> this is why people are being biphobic like shut the fuck up you know <laughs> and especially like yeah. I came out yeah. like later in life I came out while I was dating my husband so it's like I've lived a cis hetero life I've not dealt with a lot of the same things that other like people in the queer community have and that needs to be a dress and needs to be taken into consideration when I am talking about being bi or being in queer spaces, especially with my husband who identifies as straight. And I think that's where a lot of people that are bi kind of like lose the 
the momentum or the conversation, not losing the conversation, but lose the point or like forget the point of just like, is not about us. Like, it's not about that. Um, it's about making sure that everyone feels safe and we are a small, very small part, not very small. We are a small part of it. Uh, so let's stop being so annoying about it. You know, like yeah. it's just, 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 shut, just shut up a little bit. Like it's okay to shut up a little bit about it. Yeah. Like, yeah. And like how many like buy uh female comics are there now like it's just like all of us I think and I think honestly you can we can honestly blame like straight male comedians you know like they're just so bad and treated so much of us like shit that I think we're like oh there's another side there's a better side to this and then you're like kind of not even push but you're just like let me let me go back into this world and see what it's like yeah but totally not to go back to pussy not to go back to badges you're right like dick just had better marketing because like cum is disgusting like i hate it it tastes disgusting it's gross i hate it so much so how many times it's like a penis just tastes like pure pee you know if you put it in your mouth like so many times yeah, yeah. um but it reminded me of and i don't think i've ever told this on the podcast let alone to a lot of people but in ninth grade i like was doing track I lost a lot of weight all of a sudden. And I remember I wore to school these like white shorts. So I had to wear a thong and I wore like a very not breathable thong. Like it was like plastic. I don't know what, I don't know what it was, but it wasn't (laughs) cotton. And by the second or third period of high school, there was started to be like a um, chicken smell. And I was like, (laughs) that's really weird. Where is that coming from? And then it was in every period. And I was like, oh my God, it's me. And I didn't know what to do. Like, obviously, I should have just taken the thong off and I would have been fine. But I'm freaking out. And I remember being in drama, which was one of my last classes. And everyone in drama was such a weird group of people. It was like super popular seniors that were just like such assholes and yeah. just there to be cool. And then like theater nerds and then just like random, random people. And all the like super popular guys are like, what the fuck is that smell? Like, what is it? And they were always nice to me. And I was next to this guy, this nerd wearing like a, like a long trench coat. And I was like, I don't know, maybe it's the trench coat. And then everyone just kind of like went on that and was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> fucking trench coat. And I've never like forgiven myself, never forgiven myself yeah, about yeah. that. And then I remember I was like getting ready for track and my best friend who I also was like kind of in love with was like, I smell chicken. Like, did someone like does a class get like KFC or something? And I was like, shut the fuck up. Like there's no chicken smell. And then I like ran home. Like I didn't run home. I like went, I skipped track, which I should have just yeah. gone to track because I would have changed my clothes yeah. and it would have been fine. But yeah, I think about that every day being like, oh shit, are they right? Like, is it just disgusting? It was just this terrible thong that I was wearing from probably like Claire's that I got that had no actual breathability and just... I will never forget that day. I will never. It was so bad. I will never forget that smell. But it didn't smell like fish. That's what yeah. we were always told. It did not smell it was- like fish. It smelled like KFC. Yeah. <laughs> well, first off, first off, we have to say sorry to the trench coat man and I'm hope he's so doing sorry. well. We're so sorry to him. But also, I don't blame you because I do feel like sometimes it is much easier when you're in high school to just like be like, oh, there's like a nerd over there. Like, let me put this on the nerd. <laughs> be like this guy's weird like this guy's kind of like a weeaboo and I'm like like put it on him and like I totally get that uh also I think I think what you're saying is true like vagina can smell very strong but it's usually with something like that when you're wearing something awful mm-hmm. or like 
period underwear. I know that like my fiance sometimes will be like, oh, this is, I like can't have sex. I've been wearing this period underwear. It's just disgusting. Cause it, you do wear it like all day mm-hmm. and then you're just like bleeding into it. And like, that is gross. But I will say like, I don't think, I don't think it's any grosser than dick. Like I don't think it's like any more just cause men can get very smelly and gross. I think just with vaginas that there's like a more going on down there. There's more yeah. like secretions, there's more happening, but I think anybody who's like, especially like in New York city, like in the summer when it gets really hot and like humid and people just do smell bad and you have to shower more and stuff like that. <laughs> but, you also, I also one love the smell of period blood. It's very metally. I love yeah. it. And two, like, I just, um, cause we want to start having kids. I I'm off birth control now and it's, it was like 10 plus years on birth control. So I didn't know my cycle at all. And it's been super fun to like, kind of, well, it wasn't fun when it was gone for two months. And I was like, am I infertile? Like, will I never be able to have kids? And then my husband had to deal with that, like neuroses. But now that I'm like on my schedule and I'm like, oh shit, here comes like, here comes the goop. This means I'm ovulating. Like, look at it. Oh, it's so much. I love it. Like, you're just like loving it. Yeah. What's coming out of your badge. You're like, oh yeah, that's a good flow. It's a healthy flow. It's not too, yeah. much, it's not too little. Um, and it's yeah. fucking wild. Cause you're really, you, I was really afraid of my vagina for a long time. And I was really, I think you were too. It sounds like, and a lot of us were just kind of like, um, embarrassed by it like we just were like oh no like we've been cursed with a vag but again just penises had better marketing for some reason no you're so right you're so right and also I think that there is this it seems to be getting better now but when we were young like as we're both in our 30s I think right Mm -hmm. I'm 35 yeah oh okay yeah so I'm just like we're I'm, I'm 33 so we're very similar in age but I think that like when we were like coming of age there was so much like shame about periods and it was like you were supposed to be in this horrifying pain and like bleeding out but also hiding it at the same time because I always had really heavy periods and like would just be bleeding really intensely and like and I was like 11 when I got my period and and it was Mm -hmm. like you were supposed to like hide the fact that you had your period and somehow still function in society and if anyone like smelled your period or saw your period it's like disgusting And, and it is just such weird you know, now I'm just like, oh my God, that, that is probably part of the reason why I think a lot of millennial women who are gay, it took people longer to come out as gay because it was so, like you said, it was so marketed that women's bodies, or, or I guess I should say people assigned female at birth, like bodies were disgusting. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. that like, if you wanted to have sex with someone like that, and also just kind of like on another level, I think there's also just a lot of talk about like lesbians being disgusting or like Mm -hmm. lesbians being like um just you know ugly or mean or like if you even look at like lesbian representation from that time period well first off there's like basically none but the ones that you do see I mean even in like Legally Blonde which I love Legally Blonde but the one character of Enid she's such a trope she's just like this mean lesbian who's like man-hating and she's mean to Elle and she hates pink and like she hates Elle being a valley girl and it's so odd because I've never even really met a lesbian like that, but I think that there's just this stereotype that you, if you are a lesbian, you're like sad and lonely and ugly and mean. And mm-hmm. and when they say ugly too, I should say ugly by standards of like Western beauty, American, like, you know, like it, I, I of course think that like butch lesbians are very hot. I think that like, you know, gender mm-hmm. non-conforming people are very hot, but I think that especially in the early aughts, it was like, oh, like even having short hair, it's like disgusting. Mm -hmm. So it was just, I think it was very hard to come to terms with that. Um, 
but thank God, like finally I, I did. And it seems like a lot of other people did. I think even in the pandemic, it seems like a lot of people like, you know, like came out as gay or trans or something like that because you had more time to be with yourself and, and kind of realize those truths about yourself, I think. I think. Oh yeah. That time really did a number on people either in a great way or a terrible way. People either yeah. dealt with their shit or they just kind of shoved it further down. And uh, I don't know how they're doing now. Those people <laughs> I don't really talk to anymore. Um, yeah, we all, when I look back at 2020, I'm like, wow, we already were going through it. And then having that on top of it, especially if you were like in New York City. Um, yeah. And it's so funny. It's like now almost four years, but it's like, it can't not be talked about because it just changed us. It changed us so much. Like it, it can't not be a thing. It just is real. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, yeah, I don't know. I feel like every every podcast, oh, we still talk about it. And I'm glad we do because I felt like we're still in it and people forget that too. Yeah. But yeah, just to go off your point, a lot of people definitely, I think, found themselves in that because it was either that or you drown. Yeah, no, yeah. you're so right. You're so right. And I think a lot of people um, who are married or in long-term relationships, it really, like you said, it either really sped up your relationship in a wonderful way, or it like just, you were just like, oh, we can't do this anymore because you were suddenly faced with having to be in the house or the apartment with this mm -hmm. person um, in a way that you hadn't been before. And I think, you know, I think for a lot of people that was awful. And I think for a lot of people that was great. Like I, my, my one friend, she, you know, got married to a guy that she started dating very early on in the pandemic. And I don't think they would have gotten married so soon had not their relationship been so sped up by that. Um, and I think that's wonderful. But yeah, I think it also went the other way of like a lot of people getting divorced, a lot of people breaking up. Um, and yeah, and so I think, I hate to say that there was something positive that came out of the pandemic, but I do think that it was good that people got the chance to um, come to terms with their gender and sexuality and like, you know, get out of relationships that they shouldn't have been in and stuff like that. And I, I wish that maybe we could take that into the future a little bit more. Because uh, now I feel like people are starting to just be like, everything's back to normal. And I need to like, you know, comedians are like, I need to be out every night doing like three spots. And it's like, maybe sit with yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe just be. Yeah. And like also divorce has a bad reputation. Divorce is ultimately a good thing. It means people have like decided like, you know what? I want better. And it's not that that person, like like you said about your husband, like lovely person, love him to death. But you knew that there was something that wasn't fully being fulfilled for you. And then you went out and, you know, did the work and found it. And I hope the same thing has happened for him or is happening for him. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. No, I agree. I agree. A hundred percent. I think that I felt very bad having to tell everyone that I was getting divorced and then, uh, well, both having to tell everyone I was getting divorced and both having to come out as gay as well too, because it was like both of those things at once. And I, it wasn't with my family or my friends, of course, it was not that they were like homophobic, but it was more just that I felt bad about like, oh, I'm, you guys were all here for my wedding and now I'm ending it. And like, you know, and I, mm -hmm. but I, I'm so, Yeah. I hesitate to say like, I'm so glad that we got divorced, but I guess to be honest, I am so glad that we got divorced because not only was it suffocating me, I think it was also suffocating him because he was in a relationship with, it would just be awful to be in a relationship with someone who is in the closet, who is gay and you're not, <laughs> you know, like as a straight person, that would be awful. And I think that then there's a lot of like, 
you know, probably feeling lied to, probably feeling deceived. Mm -hmm. Um, Thankfully, my ex-husband is very, very nice, not like homophobic or anything. But I think that there was a a sense of feeling like lied to, feeling confused, Mm -hmm. feeling like, oh, I really have this romantic love for you. And it seems like you don't reciprocate it back to me. And so I think even though he was very, very upset and heartbroken, and I was very heartbroken too, just because I I really appreciated our relationship, I think it is so much better now for both of us. Um, now it's a few years after the fact, um, going into like four years after the fact, I guess. And and it is so much better, I believe, for both of us. And I And I feel so happy and fulfilled in life now in a way that I could never have been uh, being married to a man because being married to a man, I had to pretend constantly pretend and I and Mm -hmm. it's and it sucks to have to pretend all the time it sucks and and I just wouldn't wish that on anyone so I think anyone who's like married but is actually gay I know it feels really hard (laughs) to tell your to tell your spouse that because you feel like you're doing something horrible but I think it's much better to come out as gay and to get out of the relationship because I think it's actually worse to stay in it and be lying to the person Mm -hmm. um that's not very kind to them I don't think and it's and ultimately it's very unkind to yourself because you do only have your one life. And so to spend years and years of it pretending to be something or not, it's just like sucks and it makes you feel very depressed. So, so yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, you're right on. Like I, I've been really kind of trying to use that mantra recently, um, not for like sex and dating, but for my weight, I've gained probably like 40, 50 pounds since being with my husband. Um, and then you'll see as a comedian, all of a sudden pictures of you from 2013 will pop up. I, um, I was on, I can't remember what it was. It was like a show poster. They used a picture of me from 2013 and I look great. And all of a sudden my friends were like, you should use this as a poster. And I was like, this is 10 years old. Like I'm not using this. Like, that's not how I look anymore. And they were all like, no, you still look like that. And I was like, I am, I know my weights in that. And it's 50 pounds less. And it was just like such a mind fuck. And like, I do come from like disordered eating and like from myself, my mom, my grandparents, like things like that, that recently I've been like, you're, you have one life to live. It is not to lose weight. It's not to yes. lose weight. Like you just can't. And it's really changed a lot of like how I do things. And then also just getting my period back again and learning like, oh, you didn't have a period because you actually were under eating. Like you didn't mean to. Like you're like, I don't diet anymore. Um, Right before COVID, I did um, Whole30 and it was one of the worst experiences of my life. And I was like, oh, I'm done. No more. Like I will no longer diet. I don't care how bad I feel about myself. I'm no longer dieting. But um. I was like, shit, you're just not eating. You're doing too much. And then I was like, oh, look, now you're getting the proper amount of calories and your period's coming on time and it Mm -hmm. looks white. And like, you aren't in heavy cramps or like terrible bloating like you were in the past. It's like, cause you're now treating your body the way it's supposed to. And it's okay if it looks like this, like that's okay. Cause it's your body's literally telling you this is how it should be. Um, And so, yeah, long story short, I've been doing like, you've only got one life. Like it's not worth, doing stuff being stuck where you don't want to be lying to yourself lying to other people like you've got this and we don't know how long that is for anyway so just fucking go like do what's best for you yes yes no exactly exactly I I very much relate to what you're saying I um not to like keep bringing it back to like my dead friend when my friend died they were only uh I was 29 they were 28 about to turn 29 Mm -hmm. they were very young very very Mm -hmm. young and um they died it was just the whole thing was just really awful I mean it still is awful but they they died from complications actually after getting top surgery so it was just like a really sad situation because like usually that surgery goes very well for people like I know literally like 
tons, uh, hundreds of people, it feels like who have gotten it and who have been fine. So it was just like a very odd situation, very like weird and unexpected. And I think it was, I went into such a deep, like sadness and was so depressed for so long about it. And I still do feel that way. But one thing that I have taken away from it is like you were saying, like, you really don't have any sense of like what will happen. Um, I do have a lot of like trauma and anxiety or surrounding death, but I also think that now I try to be more like, okay, well, what do I really want to do? And I think honestly that I did get divorced very soon after my friend died. And I think that was kind of like one of the big things that pushed me to do it because I was like, I can't lie to this very nice, wonderful man. That's not fair to him. It's also not fair to me. Like I, I can't do this to myself. And, you know, I was turning 30 and I was like, I, I can't go into this like new decade of my life just being like, you know, in a relationship that I shouldn't be in and, and pretending to be interested in men when I'm not interested in men and, and the weight thing totally, because I've gained a lot of weight too, over the past few years. And I was thinking last year, I was like, man, people are still using my headshot from 2013. Like you said, 10 year old headshot. I was like, this is awful. I'm 23 in this. Like this is, I can't use this. So I wanted to get headshots done with Mindy Tucker because she's so great. Everyone loves her. You know, Mm -hmm. she's the best in New York. I think she's just known as being like the best photographer. And but then I was like, maybe I should wait because I want to go back to how my body was before the pandemic and lose mm-hmm. like at least 30 pounds. And then I was like, no, I should just get the fucking headshots done. Like, what mm-hmm. am I doing? Just get it done. Because especially since I had some like cool headlining things coming up and I was like, they can't use this old picture of me. You know, they can't use this picture that JT Anderson took on the street. Although JT's a wonderful photographer, but it's just very like, I should just get professional head- headshots done. Not just like a random stage picture or a picture that JT took on the street or like, you know, a 10 year old headshot. I should just get new ones done. And I got them done. And I was kind of like, man, I'm so much fatter than I used to be. And then I was just like, what? It's fine. The pictures look great. And then I was doing Vermont comedy club, uh, back in, um, like September. And one of the waitresses there was like, Oh, I love your headshot. You look so happy. And you're one of the first comedians that I've seen who looks like their headshot. And I was like, Oh, and I texted Mindy to tell her. And I was like, it really meant a lot to me. You know, like, I was just like, that's just how I look. And Mm -hmm. maybe I don't need to be body positive. Maybe I don't need to be like, I love my body, but maybe I could just be like neutral and be like, I don't love or hate it. It's just how I look. And like, I think that other people find me attractive and I, I like finds like bigger women attractive. Like, honestly, that's who I'm like looking at, like on OnlyFans and stuff. And so, (laughs) so it is weird to be like, I love this in other people, but I hate it in myself. Like I was like, that doesn't make any sense. If you look on like my weird horny Twitter, where I like subscribe to all these different, like OnlyFans girls, (laughs) it's all these women with like fat asses and like, you know, like big tummies and stuff. And I was like, why do I find that disgusting in myself? And I'm like jerking off to it in other women. That's weird. Like, so I'm just trying, totally agree with what you said. I'm trying very hard to be more just, just accepting of how I look and not be like, well, I can take these pictures or do this thing after I lose 30 pounds. It's like, just, I don't know, just do it now. Cause yeah. God knows, God knows what's going to happen. Like, so. <laughs> I mean, it goes, it just goes back to the early aughts. Like think of it, the OC, Misha Barton, like six skinny, Lindsay Lohan, six skinny, Paris Hilton. Like all we saw were like blonde, white, skinny women that were severely underweight. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were told this was the epitome of beauty. And this is what we should strive for, for the rest of our lives. And then 
like I struggle with um like I have nothing against plastic surgery or anything like that but you know as we get older I am like I am kind of dealing with like losing my youth a little bit and like what does that mean do I want Botox do I want to look a certain way um am I going to go medically uh to try to stay and look a certain way and things like that and I lost my point for a second but it it like I'm the same like I love curves and I love like big bigger things and bigger people and it's like then why do we do this oh it was you were like I don't want to get the headshots yet I want to wait we punish ourselves I did this with clothes I was like no we've got so many clothes that you love you just need to lose like for most of them maybe like 10 15 pounds they'll be a little tight but they'll look great and it was like no like fashion is actually really important to you and a big part of like you're like who you are then you need to buy clothes that actually fit and then I did and all of a sudden I felt way better about myself and it's like it's such a simple fix instead of just not eating like it's just such a simple fix yeah no I totally I totally agree with you I I think I do that too I'll be like well I shouldn't buy new clothes I should just lose weight so I can wear my old clothes it's like oh my god like I don't know when that will happen like I don't know Mm -hmm. when I'll lose the weight so I can wear my clothes from 2018 like I don't know so it seems like you know, of course, sometimes like financially, you're just not in a place to buy a whole new wardrobe. Mm-hmm. But like, even just buying like new jeans or something, I'm like, I should just buy instead of like, just keep thinking like, oh, well, maybe I'll lose weight. And then I can fit into these clothes. It's like, I don't know, that seems like, I would like to lose weight. I I think I also would just like my body to be how it was before the pandemic, because I had all these serious health issues. So I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, like, I miss that. But then I'm also like, I don't know if I, if I can like be healthier and that doesn't mean like losing like 40 or 50 pounds, then like, I think I would rather just be healthier and feel better. And it doesn't really matter uh, how much I weigh, as long as like my body is able to, you know, like hike and, and move and walk a lot and stuff like that, you know? Yeah. I think it's really easy to feel weird being like, well, I want to be healthy because it's been marketed to us the healthiest skinny, right? It's all fucking marketing. And it's like, oh, you have to do this one thing. It's going to make you so healthy. And it's like, no, like, and like what health is to one person is different to another person too. Like, uh, and all these different like variables, but I definitely find myself kind of spiraling too. And I'm like, what do I mean by healthy? Like, what does that mean? Like, I just, you know, yeah, I want to like be able to walk along distances, not get winded going up multiple stairs in the city, like things like that. Mm-hmm. That's what like health means to me. Um, rather than like, I have to look a certain way. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, I feel like my main thing is just like, I'd like to have my lungs be stronger, like they were before COVID. I'd like Mm -hmm. to like, yeah, the walking up the stairs, like, you know how some subway stops, there's like a thousand stairs. I'm like, I want to just be able to walk up those and not feel like I'm dying. Like, I don't want like my heart to hurt doing that. Just things like that. Like, it's Mm -hmm. not so much. I would like to lose like 20 pounds. But I guess if I do or I don't, I guess that doesn't really matter as long as I can yeah, like walk upstairs and not be super winded and not and and have my heart be relatively healthy and my lungs be a little bit healthier, stuff like that. Yeah. 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 Um, this has been a great conversation. Yeah. Thank you so much. I'm I'm sorry. I feel like I talked so much, but you've been so no, nice. <laughs> no, no, no. You talk the perfect amount. I always do ask my guests at the end, like if there's anything we didn't talk about, we can absolutely talk about it now, but the answer can always be no too. If you're like, no, I think we hit everything. <laughs> um, I don't even know this, this has been so great. I think, yeah, I guess that my 
general thesis of everything we talked about would just be like, yeah, like if you're if you're gay, if you're bi, if you're queer, whatever, like you definitely should come out. And and I know that's much harder in certain parts of the country or the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, if you can, I think you definitely should because I feel like my life has improved like times a thousand, even with the health problems, mental and physical. I feel like it has improved a lot. Um, and also. Yeah, I think I think body body neutrality, I think, is a nice thing to shoot for. I feel like there's a lot of body positivity, which I'm not trying to say that's like a bad thing, but I just feel like, I don't know, there's so much stuff online that's like you should be positive about like where you are in life, you should be positive about your body and positive. And it's like, I don't know if you necessarily have to be positive about everything all the time because it is hard to just feel like that you love yourself and you love your body. But I think just shooting for like not hating would be good, mm-hmm. you know, like just being like, okay, I think that that is good um, to shoot for. And yes, and also what you said about the ethical non-monogamy, I do think that there is this weird thing now where people are like, oh, you're just like not cool. You just like don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> I think people could be polyamorous or monogamous or open relationship, whatever. I think it's all totally cool and fine. I don't think that there should be like weird judgment around like, straight couples or gay couples or anybody being monogamous if people want to be they should be uh and if they want to be polyamorous they should be as long as like everyone is being nice to each other and and kind to each other i think that it's like fine so those are all my thoughts (laughs) you know i completely agree absolutely thank you guys oh i don't know what i just said there breathe okay thank you guys thank you all i'm gonna say thank you all Um, For listening, remember to rate, like, subscribe, review, share, download, send, repeat. I don't know. Just saying words at this point. Um, And follow us at Awkward Sex in the City on all the socials. Guys, we're – keep saying guys. Y'all, we're coming to TikTok. I am very nervous but also excited. I just feel too old for TikTok, I think, and, like, the youth scared me, but we're doing it. Soon there's going to be video of us on Instagram as well and TikTok. So uh, follow Awkward Sex and City on TikTok as well. It's happening. Remember to follow Madeline at Madeline Murphy and I will see you in two weeks. Have a great December. If I don't hear from you, see from you, talk to you then. Until then. um, But yeah, have a great day, y'all.